Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. I'm excited to come to speak to you today. I I love how God spontaneously moves in my heart. He'll give me one thing, and then all of a sudden when I sit down and start to read and start to pray, God just all of a sudden changes channels in the middle of the stream. And so today, I'm going to do part two of Who Me? Who Me? Last week we did part one about Who Me? And we said these things last week about part one about judging and that you have to take the uh, the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's eye. And so we talked about that, about looking at ourselves. And sometimes we don't like to look at ourselves because we don't like what we see. And so I want to take part two into that about looking at ourselves. But I want to go review a little bit about what we talked about a little bit last week. We talked about judging. And judge to judge means making false assumptions, giving your opinions, or going on what others say about them, and then label in them. Right now, isn't that the case, what's going on right now? We are going on a lot of things that we're doing and labeling people by what others are saying about each other. Let me ask you, what is God really saying about each other? You see, we shouldn't judge through our own eyes. We need to judge through the eyes of the Lord. By judging others, it makes you feel better, and it takes the blame off us or you. And so that's why a lot of times we judge because we like to take the blame off us and we like to shift it over to someone else. Jesus is the ultimate judge, not you. He has the final say not you. He's the ultimate judge. We talked about that last week in James, that Jesus, there's only one lawgiver, only one judge, and that's Jesus. But I love it when Jesus does judge, he does this. Jesus can judge correctly. In other words, Jesus judges correctly because he sees all and he knows all. He doesn't have to have a jury stand before us because why? He sees all and he knows all and he knows the truth. And he knows all the in-betweens of the situations that we're going through in life, and therefore he can judge correctly. Today I want to talk to you about part two. Do you you, uh, hear me now? Or who, who, me? Do you remember the old nursery rhyme or the old nursery tune? It says, oh, Tori stole the cookie from the cookie jar. Who, me? Yeah, you. Then who? Then Pastor Andrew stole the cookie from the cookie jar. Who, me? Yeah, you. Then who? And the list goes on and on. And the whole thing about that nursery rhyme is to get everybody involved. Who, me, yeah, you. And we go around the circle to get everybody around, and they would wait to hear their name. And so today, I want to talk to you about part two, who, me. And one of the verses that jumped out at me that really started this verse is Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verse 31, where Paul is speaking there, and he shares these verses. And I want you to get this in your heart. He says, for he has set a date. Who's he talking about? The Lord has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. So it's what he's saying that God has set a day. No man knows the time of the hour or the day when Jesus shall appear. If we knew the day or the hour that Jesus was going to appear, man, we will do all kinds of things leading up to that day. And the day that we know that he's coming, we'll make ourselves right. We'll get ready, man. We'll have our bags packed. We'll ask for forgiveness. But God, 
doesn't want you to know the day because he wants you to walk the journey out every day to be ready when he does come. So if you knew he was coming tomorrow, man, we'll start repenting today. So our lifestyle with God is always having our bags packed and being ready for when that day does come. So he says he has appointed. He said, by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So in other words, what he's saying, Jesus rose from the grave and he's alive and is at the right-hand side of the Father making intercession for us. He says these things, he rose again, but the second part or the third part of that is not only is he making intercession, but he promises he's going to come again. So that's why it's important that we as individuals are ready. But if you ever notice, it says to set. To set means to single out a time and a date. Right now, if you're anything like my wife, we have calendars all through our house. And my wife puts all my grandkids' birthdays on their dates on that calendar. She puts our kids' dates on the calendar. She puts my nieces and nephews' dates on the calendar. So when I'm actually sitting in the restroom, there's a calendar right here to my right side. So when I look at June, I see whose all the birthdays are in June. But God has marked on his calendar that only God himself knows when he's going to return, and he's going to turn in a twinkling of an eye. And he has set that date. So I look at this. The day of judgment has been chosen. The day of judgment has been chosen. There's going to be the day of judgment. But just wait for it. What do we mean by wait for it? What are you doing in the meantime while you're waiting for the day of judgment? Are you living in right standing with God? I always pray, God, make me right in your sight. Are you praying? Are you living the life out while you're waiting for the day of judgment so that you're ready? You cannot have justice without judgment. Justice and judgment, they go together. They go hand in hand. You cannot have justice without judgment. And so God says there's going to be justice, but you're also going to be judged for the rights and wrongs of your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul again is speaking to the church of Corinth. And he's preparing them, and he's making them be ready. He's making them be alert or attentive that God is one day going to come, but when he does come... You're going to have to give an account for your actions. You see, a lot of times we say this like Flip Wilson always says. His, he was a great comedian, but his line was, the devil made me do it, or the devil made me say it. You see, we can blame the devil for a lot of things, but when we stand before the Lord, we're going to have to get an account of all the things that we do while here in the body on earth. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In other words, every one of us must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, while the things we've done while in the body, whether good or bad. So what is God going to do? He says we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that we're all going to stand. We're not going to be able to take our parents and they can plead our case and all these kind of things. They can stand before God and say, hey, CJ was a great son and all this kind of stuff. Man, you're not going to have someone going to be your mediator to go before God. and You're not going to have your wife or your husband or kids 
kids. You're not going to have your mom and dad. We're all as individuals going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're going to receive our reward, whether good or bad. And the Bible says if you do not know him, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And why does Jesus say he never knew you? It's because maybe you weren't living the lifestyle as Christ or walking it out like we should be to get to know him. But the word judgment seat means this. The Greek word for judgment seat means bima or bima. Bima means this. I love what bima means. Bima means a court in session. In other words, there's a court in session, a place where the judge is present. There's going to be a court, and that's what's going to happen with you and me. There's going to be a court in session where the judge is present, and the verdicts are declared. What is your verdict going to be? Guilty? That I was not a believer, I was an unbeliever, I lived as the world, I devoured the world, my flesh craved after the world. Or are you going to be a believer who's going to be judged that you sought after the things of God, that you were transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you were made new in Christ Jesus, the former things have passed away and all the things have become new. Where are you going to stand before the Lord and what's that going to look like for you? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come. It's inevitable. God is going to come. He's already filled out three-fourths of the part of his promises that he died and he rose again. He came to life. He died. He rose again. The next part is he's going to come again. He's going to come again. He's going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So God is going to reward you whether good or bad, according to what you have done. All believers, I love this, all unbelievers will be judged by Christ. So a lot of times, what happens a lot of times, we want to judge maybe the unbeliever. We want to judge them, and we want to point fingers at them, and maybe we even get jealous at them because, God, you seem to be blessing them over me. They are not even believing, Lord. They're not even serving you, God, but they have this and they have that, and you seem to be blessing them. But God says, listen, their day of judgment is coming. The unbelievers may feel like they're happy right now and seem like they're getting away with a lot of things, but let me tell you something. Don't you stand in judgment of them because someday, and when that day comes, God is going to judge the unbeliever. And when God judges, he judges more severely than we can even fathom or imagine. But I love this. Now, you got to get this one. All believers will be judged through Christ. What do you mean all believers will be judged through Christ? Because Christian or believers means I'm following after, I'm becoming like him or becoming like Jesus, I'm becoming like the Lord. So what God is going to do, he's going to judge you differently from the unbeliever. He's going to judge you through his eyes of how do you line up according to me. As we go into Father's Day, the old cliche is like father, like son. In other words, the son begins to act out and become what the Father is. That's the same thing in the spirit realm. Jesus is going to judge you according to your walking it out with him. Are you being transformed? Are you being changed from the inside out? To be like someone is to act like someone. That's Jesus. 
You have to act like someone. you got to act like Jesus. That, God, I want to be more like you. From the throne room, Jesus will forever balance the scales of fairness. That God is going to balance the scales of fairness. It's not going to be one or the other. He's going to balance the scales of fairness. That God is going to do these things in your life. And I want to encourage you. When God judges, he judges fairly. So that's why it's important that we don't put ourselves in the place of judgment. That we don't put ourselves in the judgment throne or the judgment seat and pretend that we're God. There's only one lawgiver and one God and one judge, and that's the Lord. So I want to encourage you. Did you know that every one of you, every one of us, are authors? I don't know about you, but my wife and I, we love to watch true stories. We love to watch autobiographies maybe of a person. Just recently we watched these 10 sessions of Michael Jordan, the true story of Michael Jordan and his career, and, man, all the people that they interviewed, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Phil Jackson, and they shared the story, and it was cool to see how it all evolved about the championships of the Bulls. But he had a story to tell. Do you know that you have a story to tell? That one day your book is going to be read? It's going to be read, and when your book is read, it's going to be better and greater than the New York selling best-selling book on New York's. It's going to be a great book, and that book is going to be in Revelations chapter 20, that you are an author. Every day, you're writing out your story, and one day, that story is going to be read by the Lord, that God is going to read your story, and the crowd or the listeners or the viewers or the readers are going to be the angels in heaven hearing the words that Jesus is reading about you. You are an author and you don't even know it. That author could be either good or it could be bad. What is your book or your description or your story going to say? And in Revelations chapter 20, verse 11, it says this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. In other words, what is that throne? It's the throne of judgment. That God is sitting on the throne and he's going to judge us, as it said in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He says, the earth and the heaven fled from this presence, and there was no place for them. And it, watch what he says. John, the, the revelator, says, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Now get this. Here you are, the author of your own book. And the books were open. The book that you wrote about your life, whether good or bad, it's a true story. There is no made-up story. There is no made-up things. Everything about your life is detailed in your book. He said the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead will be judged according to what they have done as recorded in the books. So in other words, what he's saying, that we're going to be judged. The books records everyone's deeds, good or evil. God will re reward or punish each one accordingly. So I want to tell you something. You're an author. But let me ask you something. Is your story a sad story 
Or is it a story of joy that when Jesus reads your book or when he reads the description of who you are, is he going to look at you and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant? Or is he going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. The book is what you write while you're here on planet Earth. How are you living your life out? You see, look at By judging, it may feel better by judging, but it doesn't make you better. Did you get that? It may make you feel better, but it doesn't make you better. All that does, it reflects off you and maybe takes, makes uh, you feel better for that moment. But when it all of a sudden done, you have to look at yourself and say, man, what do I need to do in me? You see, I love this. I, I love this about because God is always in the business of transforming and changing us. Ask yourself, what can I change in me to make myself better and this world better? You see, right now, why did I write that out? I don't know. When God gave it to me, I wrote it just exactly like how he gave it to me. Because right now, our world or our society or our country or our nation, our communities are up in arms. Man, we're so full of bitterness, so full of anger, so full of hatred. And that's the opposite of God. God is a God of love, that God so loved the world, that's you and I, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The opposite of love is hate. And what does the enemy come to do? He comes to kill, rob, and destroy. And what he's trying to do, he wants us to hate our brothers or our sisters. He wants us to hate our neighbors, our friends, our community. He wants us to hate our government. He wants us to hate our president or what else, the this can go on and on and on. And that is not what God wants us to do. And when we hate someone, we respond back the way we feel towards them. Maybe in anger and rage. And we do things because why? We're full of hate. But love doesn't act that way. Love says, if you strike me on one side of my cheek, hit me on the other. Love forgives. That's why the Bible says love covers over a multitude of sin. And what has happened in our society right now, we're so full of hate. We're so full of anger and bitterness that we're fighting right now against each other when we should be uniting together because there's strength in unity and in numbers. But what does change mean? Change means making a change in your attitude. Your attitude determines your altitude, how high you're going to fly. Maybe you need to change your attitude. Maybe you need a carburetor adjustment. Maybe you need, man, to get back to running smoother again. Maybe you need that change in your words. What kind of words are you spooling out right now? I always remember when I was a kid, they would say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Words hurt, especially when you're saying them against maybe your spouse or your kids or your neighbors or your friends or your community. What is coming out of your mouth? You see, listen, but most of all, we need a change in our heart. You see, everything starts with our heart. We need a change in our heart. God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. You see, that's what David did last week. We talked about the four me's in God. But David in Psalms 51, he's saying God created me 
He's not looking at the crowd. He's not looking at this person or that person. He's looking at himself. Change needs to happen if we're going to change the situation that's going on in our world right now. Change happens one person at a time, starting with you. You see, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. Can you imagine if one person at a time will start to change? God, let me change. Let me change maybe in my wording. Let me change maybe in my heart. Let me change maybe in my attitude. Maybe let me change in my outlook toward that person or this person. It has to start somewhere. I love in Philippians, Paul writes Philippians, and I love Philippians, and I love James. But in Philippians, there are 104 verses. I don't know if you knew that, but I studied it and looked it up. In those verses, Paul mentions Jesus 40 times. He mentions Jesus 40 times. And if you look at that, that means this. That's an average of 2.5 verses of talking about Jesus. Can you imagine that? The book of Philippians. Why does Paul say rejoice in the Lord always? Again, I say rejoice. Because when you got your eyes on Jesus, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because, man, Paul talks about Jesus because you know why he talks about Jesus? Because it's Jesus that can change you. It's Jesus that can rearrange your heart. You see, I remember when I was doing the things of the world, I was trying to find fulfillment, longing, and purpose in my life. And I was looking in all the wrong places. But once I found Jesus, he transformed me. He changed my outlook. He changed my demeanor. He changed my heart towards people. I'm here to tell you today, if we want change in our world, in our country, in our communities, it has to start with Jesus. That's why it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all the these things shall be added unto you. The first greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. If we want transformation, if we want change, it starts with you. God, let me be more of you. God, change my heart. God, you are the one that can change me. You are the one that can transform me. You're the one that can take the heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. You are the one that can give me a new outlook in life. You are the one, that God, that can give me the joy that I need in my life and fulfillment. You are the one that can take out the hatred and bitterness and the jealousy in my life that I have towards my friends or to my neighbors or to different colors or different races. It's God that only can do that. And I'm here to tell you today, Philippians, again, Paul speaks of these words, being confident of this. In other words, don't lose hope, don't lose sight, be confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let me just remind you, God is working in you. God is working in you. He's doing a work in your life. But let me ask you, are you allowing him? Jesus is still doing his work in you if you will allow him to. You mean, Pastor, what do you mean if I will allow him to? You see, what happens is sometimes we can get so angry and so mad that we're just like a bull in a china closet, that we don't allow anybody to touch us, to get near us. We're so full of rage and anger. 
And my biggest fear about believers or even unbelievers is that we get so caught up in the anger and the anger and the, and the frustrations and all what's going on that we leave Jesus out of the equation. And when we leave Jesus out of the equation, what happens is we get so upset, we get so hard, we get so callous that we lose the sensitivity of God working in our lives. And that's what I mean if we allow him to. If we allow him to. I always remember the bracelets that came out, WWJD. In other words, it stood for what would Jesus do. Let me encourage you. You need to remind yourself whenever you're getting angry or upset, you need to stop and reflect on that. What would Jesus do? You see, listen, each day is a choice to do what we want to do. You can either be bitter or do you want to be better? It's a choice. Everything in life is a choice. Choices have consequences, whether good or bad. It's a choice. So let me ask you something. What choice are you making today? Are you choosing to be mad at your neighbor? Are you choosing to be at, mad at this country? Are you choosing to be mad at this uh, your communities? It's a choice you made. You see, or are you choosing to love? Or are you choosing to like, uh, forgive? Or are you choosing to accept? You see, you notice that Jesus is not twisting your arm. He's not probing you or probing you. He's laying out a choice. The choice is up to you. But I love when Paul says about he's began a good work in you. Here's some hope to you. Three things to remember when God is working. When God is working in you, Philippians 1.6. Number one, do not worry. He's the best doctor, the best architect of your life. He says, why do you worry? Do I not take care of the sparrows, and yet they toil and they spin? Will I not take care of you? He says, because we're more valuable than the sparrows. God says, don't worry. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. That alleviates the worry in your life. If you learn to trust, be still and know that he is God, Psalms 46.10. God, I'm going to be still and know that you are God. I love this. When God is working, number two, it's not too late. He does not forget about you. Some of you may feel like you fell off the cliff. That, man, I, I blew it. I got angry. I got my temper all out of whack, and I said things, done things. It's not too late. It's never too late to come back to God. It's never too late to come back. God accepts you, receives you just as you are. After all, didn't he die for the world, which you and I in this world right now needs Jesus? Number three is this. You can begin again. He is a rebuilder. I thank God that my God and the God that you serve is a God of second chances, that God doesn't give up on you. He's a God of second chances. But the question is, will you allow him to have another second chance in your life. You have to open up. That's why Jesus said, Behold, I stand at your door and knock. He that opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Jesus will not force himself upon you.
He gives you that choice again. Are you going to allow him to have a second chance in your life to maybe remove the scars, the, the hurts, the pains in your life? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Am I willing to do that in my life? Am I willing to do that? Not anyone else but me. You see, that's what God wants you to do. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 11, it's again what Paul is saying right after he concludes with he who began a good work in you. But watch what he says, part of that working. In verse 9, he says, and this is my prayer. And this is my prayer for you listeners today, that this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. God, let my love abound. Let my love abound towards my wife and my husband, my kids, my relatives, my family, my neighbors, my co-workers, my boss. Let my love abound. In other words, let it increase. Let it grow in these areas. And he goes on, and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. In other words, that we're lining up. We're lining up. We're preparing our hearts. We're walking out as Jesus did. He was a lover and not a fighter. And he says, that's how you prepare yourself to be blameless and pure, by walking out and doing things in love. Then he goes on. He says this, I love this, blameless and pure for the day of Christ. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of the, uh, righteousness, filled the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ through the glory and praise of God. Have you ever thought about that? Our knowledge, our knowledge of Christ will grow that we will become more like him, treat others like he does, and love others like he does. The more you get to know him, the more you're going to be like him. And you're going to treat others the way he treated others. You're going to love others the way he treated others. I want to encourage you, get to know him. Get to know him. What made you fall in love with your spouse? You fell in love with your spouse by spending time with them. And the more you spent time with them, the more you found out that you had more things of, man, that were compatible, more interests that you have together. And therefore, what happened? You fell in love with them because, man, she's my soulmate. He's my soulmate. We have so many different interests together. We have so much that we're compatible with. It's the same way with Jesus. Jesus, man, the more you get to understand him and the more you spend time with him, you become like him. You see, listen, we become pure and blameless by being honest, I get that, by being honest with ourselves and about what we need and can change. I, I got to read that again. You, you got to get this in your heart. We become pure and blameless by being honest. God, I need you. Lord, I, I need help. Lord, I need to change my attitude. May I stop pointing fingers at someone else, God, but let it start with me. Let me be the person that takes the lead. Let me be the person in my family to take the lead and show my kids that, man, I, I can forgive, that I can let go of anger, that I can let go of bitterness, that I can let go of, uh, of resentment or hatred. You see, it starts with yourself. What can I change in me? 
what can I change in me? You see, first fruits, uh, fruit of righteousness. Ever that when it says that, the fruit of righteousness in verse 11, it says the fruit of righteousness. Get this. Fruit of righteousness means living out and acting out the lifestyle of Christ. God. How do they know you? By the fruit that you bear, Matthew 7, verse 20. It says that you will know them by the fruits that you bear. Man, I want to encourage you by acting it out and being what God wants you to be. In Matthew 25, verse 40, it says these words. He says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In other words, you see, we're not here to do things to please man. We're here to do things to please God. Because after all, that's why God put us here, so that we can be life changers, that we can man change the world one person at a time, but it starts with you. Let me encourage you today. Let me encourage you. Ask God. God, change me. Maybe you don't like yourself. Last week I talked about the person who had the bitter beer face. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need the change. Maybe you're watching too much Fox News and CNN and you're getting mad at the world. Maybe you need to turn it off. Maybe you need to spend more time with God. You see, listen. Let us not judge and put others down, but let us love and lift them up. Let's reverse the curse. After all, you can't be happy right now living in a miserable state that you are in. You can't be happy in that place of always being mad. You see, it takes more muscles to frown than it does a smile. A smile costs nothing, but it creates much if I go by a dog and it's growling and its hair standing up, guess what that's telling me? Not to touch it. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you need to change. Maybe you need to say, God, change me. Let us all do our part to make our country great and let us live like Jesus lived. I want to encourage you. I don't know about you, but I have a prayer list, and I have my prayer list, and there are certain things I have on my prayer list, but I move to the top, praying for our country, praying for our president, praying for our government, praying for the situations that are going on in our society right now. Put that on your prayer list. But before you put that on your prayer list, ask God first, change me. Change me. Let me not be the judge. Let me not be the criticizer. Let me not be the one who puts down. But let me be the one who lifts up and shines Jesus. Pastor Cheryl, I don't know about you, Pastor Cheryl, but I, I am so excited today. And I challenge these people. Let's change. Let's make a change. Let's be the change so the world can change. Amen. 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 I don't know about you, but it sure is fun being around people that are enthusiastic and upbeat. Let's just be that person. Let's be the person that is bringing life to people. Let's be that person. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. What do you need to change? After all, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ as individuals. And you may pretend that you're getting away with it now here on planet Earth, that others may not watch you or see you.
but the ultimate judge sees you. And is he going to see you doing good for him and for others around us? After all, Jesus said, love the Lord your God, but then love your neighbor as yourself. If there's hatred and bitterness in you, I want to encourage you to let it go. Let us pray over you today. Father, you say where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst of us. I pray that this morning, God, if there's any hatred, bitterness, anger, resentment, unforgiveness in our lives, starting with these pastors, that, God, that you will forgive us. Let us all start with ourselves to make a change. Lord, let us not depend on this one or that one to make the change before we make the change. Let us be the ones that are leading up front by making changes in our conduct, our actions, our words. Lord, let us make the change. But, Father, if there are those here today that may not know you as Lord and Savior in their lives, I pray that, God, that you will come into their heart. After all, God, you say if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed and all become new. So, Father, today, touch and bless those today. Touch and bless them. Change us. Rearrange us. Break us and make us into the very image of you. We thank you and we praise you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hope to see you next Sunday if you're watching today by live stream. Because next Sunday is Father's Day and we invite you to come. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website www.adventurechurchsiren.com slash give. Thank you for your generous donation.